So it's an annual ritual for me uh, to make New Year's resolutions. Uh, I think of them more as goals for the year, really, but, but tying them to the turning of the year puts them in the ritual territory of making New Year's resolutions, and I know that I'm not alone in this. It's estimated that about a third of us, give or take, uh, make an annual ritual of New Year's resolutions, which means that, that this time of year, a time of new beginnings and fresh starts, Lots of people get serious about um, making some change or achieving some goal in the coming year. And you surely know the, the common resolutions, exercising more, eating healthier, saving more money, spending more time with family and friends, spending less time on social media. Well, from a pastor's perspective, I of course think that each of us should have spiritual resolutions as well. And not surprisingly, I've got a suggestion for one. <laughs> uh, we'll come back to that shortly. Of course, the, the whole point of New Year's resolutions is to improve ourselves in some way by resolving to do something new, by resolving to change some behavior that needs changing. Um, by resolving to invest our time and energy into something that maybe we've been putting off. The New Year is a great opportunity to do just that, which is why making an annual ritual of New Year's resolutions uh, can be so helpful. One of my favorite authors, I'm sure you know, is, uh, I'm sure you know who she is, uh, is Maya Angelou. Um, we had to read I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. If you've never read that, I'd highly recommend it. It was recommended, it was required reading my sophomore year at Notre Dame. And I had the, the tremendous blessing of meeting her that year when she came to lecture. Uh, I admire her so much that had Whitney and I had a little girl, we would have named her Maya. And Dr. Angelou wrote something that, that resonates with me on this subject of uh, what we resolve to do as a new year begins. She wrote, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you, an untold story. Each of us has a story to tell. I think it's our responsibility to be true to that story, the story of who we authentically are, the story of who we are um, authentically called to be. And as we begin uh, a new year during this time of resolutions and new starts, I think it's important for us to remember, and, and not just to remember, but to embrace that part of our story is about who we are as followers of Jesus. Each of our stories as God's faithful includes this part of us that is a disciple. And in a world that needs as much God as possible, that's a story we need to tell. And that, that brings me to our passage from Scripture for today. This is Matthew's year in the lectionary cycle. That means between now and Thanksgiving, when we read from the Gospels, it will almost always be Matthew. There'll be a couple of exceptions, but not many. Last week, Stephanie preached about the story of the Magi, which is only found in uh, Matthew's Gospel in chapter 2. Today, we're reading from the next chapter, kind of picking up from there, the story of Jesus' baptism in Matthew. But before we read the story, I want to take just a couple of minutes to talk about who Matthew was and, and what he was all about, because each of our four Gospels emphasizes different things. So, for example, Mark, which is the earliest of the Gospels to have been written, uh, has a special focus on Jesus' suffering, on, on the meaning of the cross. That's very important to Mark. For Luke, there's a particular uh, concern for the poor and those on the margins. And then in John, there's a, a special emphasis on our faith in Christ and the eternal life that is ours as a result of that faith. 
Now, all four of the Gospels tell the story of Jesus, of course, the story of his ministry, his death, his resurrection. But in the telling of that story, each of the four is, is most interested in particular aspects of the story, on what those particular aspects of his story mean for our story as his disciples. And of the four Gospels, I think Matthew is probably the one that's most concerned with what we do as followers of Jesus. Because for Matthew, uh, our faith in Christ must be demonstrated in persistent obedience to the way of life that he preached. This gospel is all about the intersection between uh, good news and ethics, between faith and morality, between what we say we believe and how what we say we believe affects how we act. And because that's true, I think that Matthew would certainly be on board with the concept of New Year's resolutions, specifically with the idea that we annually renew our uh, commitment to act in ways that help us be who we are called to be as followers of Christ. So with all that by way of introduction, let's turn to the text now. This is Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. This is the recommended gospel text for today. Listen, friends, for the word of God as it is proclaimed by God's servant, the evangelist Matthew. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. That's an interesting phrase. We'll come back to that. And then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's an old preacher story that you may have heard. Um, one afternoon, uh, a mom looked into the backyard and she saw her, her young son um, playing church with the family cat. He had the, the cat sitting quietly in front of him and he had his, his children's Bible out and he was, he was preaching to the cat and it made her heart feel really good that they were doing exceptional parenting. I mean, they were raising the boy in the church. He was clearly intending to be a preacher or he was feeling that call. And so she, she smiled and, and went back to what she was doing. But then a little while later, she heard this big commotion in the backyard. The, the cat was meowing and hissing and, and spitting and making a huge fuss. And so she ran to the back window and she saw her son <laughs> dunking the cat in a bucket full of water. And so she ran out, she opened the door. She said, honey, 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 what are you doing? He said, I'm baptizing him. And she said, but he hates the water. And the boy said, well, he should have thought about that before he joined my church. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> baptism should not be traumatizing, ideally, right? If it's traumatizing, the preacher may be doing something wrong. Uh, but it should be, it should be transformative. Our baptismal vows, which we're going to say here together shortly when we reaffirm our faith, um, are intended to, to get our attention. They're intended to challenge us. They're intended to call us to be better than we otherwise would be. And for those of us who consider ourselves to be followers of Jesus, the story of, of our baptism really begins with the story of his baptism. 
Now, all four of the Gospels tell the story of the baptism of the Lord, but they each give us different details, and it's these differing details that often reflect their particular area of theological focus. So for example, uh, it is only in Matthew's gospel that Jesus talks with John the Baptist before his baptism. In fact, in Matthew, it's the very first thing that Jesus says in the entire gospel is this exchange with John the Baptist. And what he has to say gives an indication of what his ministry is gonna be all about. So John says to Jesus, look, I shouldn't be baptizing you, you should be baptizing me, but Jesus says, uh, no, we, we need to do this because this uh, baptism is a way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus seems to be saying that his baptism marks the, the beginning of a ministry that will be all about righteousness, which is a, an important biblical term that we should define. To be righteous in the biblical tradition means to act in accordance with the will of God. To be righteous is to do the things that God wants us to do, to be righteous, is to obey the commands of God. In other words, uh, according to Matthew, the significance of Jesus' baptism is not so much what it does for him as it is about what he will do for others in the name of God. And this is a theme that comes up over and over in Matthew's gospel. Two chapters later, in his most famous teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, which we'll be talking about later this year, Jesus returns to this theme. He says to the disciples, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. And it's a theme to which Matthew returns at the end of his gospel when Jesus gathers his disciples for one last time after the resurrection. That's a very famous scene, the Great Commission. He tells them to go and baptize all the nations and teach them not to believe what he has said, but to obey what he has commanded. So at his baptism, in the first words that he speaks in Matthew, in his most famous teaching in Matthew, probably his entire ministry, Sermon on the Mount, and then the last words he speaks in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells us very clearly what he is all about, obedience to the will of God, which is to say, not just believing the right thing, although believing the right thing is very important, but doing the right thing. Now, as Christians, of course, there are many important things that we believe we are called to spend our lives learning those beliefs and studying those beliefs and praying about those beliefs and letting those beliefs shape us, shape who we are, shape how we show up in the world. When we reaffirm our faith here in a few minutes, we'll be talking about what we believe in the context of our baptismal vows. But for Jesus, as depicted in this gospel that we're going to be reading throughout this year, faith is, is much more than what we believe. It is, uh, it's what we do, it's how we live. Which brings me back to the notion of a New Year's resolution, the things that we resolve to do in the coming year. And for everyone who calls Christ United Methodist Church home, you may know this already, 2023 is a big year because 2023 is our 50th anniversary as a congregation. And so we've planned um, a year full of special events and programs that we're gonna going to be talking about in the coming uh, weeks and months. We're going to have church-wide events to celebrate our shared spiritual journey. Uh, ben has commissioned a composer to write a special piece to commemorate this significant milestone. We're going to hear that composer. Actually, he's going to be with us in September. And each month, we're going to be focusing on a different aspect of who we are as a family of faith. And that obviously begins this month in January as we celebrate the fact that we are a learning 
church. Now, I was not raised in the United Methodist tradition, as you know, if you've been around for a while. Um, and one of the most compelling things for me when I became a United Methodist is that I was not expected to check my brain when I walked through the doors of the sanctuary. And in, in true Methodist fashion, we at Christ United Methodist Church are a congregation that engages our brains, always learning, always growing in knowledge, always growing in understanding. And so to that end, uh, next week we begin a sermon series inspired by a book called The Awakened Brain. Uh, it's by a researcher named Lisa Miller. I talked about her in the announcements. Dr. Miller teaches clinical psychology at Columbia University and her work, uh, her work in, like her life's work, has been to focus on the connection between spirituality and mental health. And her research has proven that our brains are hardwired for a relationship with God. I think all of us who have spent all of our lives in the church know that intuitively, but the recent brain research supports this, that, that spirituality is an essential part of what it means to be human. She's gonna be with us the last weekend in January for a special workshop on Saturday evening. If you can't make it Saturday evening, there's a keynote address after worship on uh, early Sunday afternoon. And I hope that you'll be able to participate in that. You can, as I said earlier, visit cumc.com slash connect for details. That's just the beginning of a year-long celebration of our life together here at Christ United Methodist Church. And it seems to me that this is the, the perfect time to rededicate ourselves to Christ through our life together as a family of faith. Which is to say, each of us can resolve to fully invest ourselves in this place that we call our spiritual home. And by doing so, to resolve to make the story of our lives as disciples the foundation of the rest of our lives. Because to paraphrase Maya Angelou, there is a, a faith story that lies within each of us. As we reaffirm our faith today, may we resolve to tell that story through the witness of our lives. Amen.